to speak, but <laughs> trying to figure out where to start at. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, we'll go to Revelation chapter 17. And, uh, you know, we started reading this the other week, and, you know, thank you to my wife for uh, ministering uh, last week and bringing the word to us. Amen. And then I'll ask that, you know, you all continue to keep Mother Dolores and uh, Jar in your prayers. And actually, the new baby as well. Uh, Ray, as well. <laughs> actually, turn to uh, Revelation 16. Sorry. We'll start there. Revelation 16 at 17, verse 17. Amen. So, beginning at verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Verse 19, now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great. So uh, let's turn over to uh, chapter 17. Uh, before we read that, I just want to read that because the angel that's coming to talk to John here is one of the seven from verse 16. And more than likely it's probably the seventh angel because he mentioned Babylon and how basically Babylon is coming to judge. So we've been talking about the mystery of Babylon. And... Um, we see at the end of 16 that the men that was on earth got so angry at God that they blasphemed him. And, you know, into our minds and hearts, we can't even imagine that, that people can get so angry. And earlier in that chapter in 16, that when God releases, uh, uh, they just, the uh, plagues that come upon the men, they never repent. And they just continue to curse God. And that just shows the uh, sinfulness of man. That can't be blamed on the devil. That's just man's nature. Sure. And that's why I always say sometimes, a lot of times, often, we as Christians, we blame the devil for a lot of things, but it's not the devil. It, it, it's, it, it's the sin nature of man that's that right. causes things. All right. So I just wanted to read that because now we're getting into the judgment. I know we, we came from uh, 17 before, so I'm going to read through the first six verses here in chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying, to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus, 
And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. So, you know, we touched on this uh, before, but here God is bringing judgment. And we talked about how 17 and 18, Revelation 17 and 18 are tied together. And 17 is a spiritual Babylon in the sense of the false religion that will happen during the tribulation period. And in chapter 18 is actually a city of Babylon, which would be the commercial. And, you know, we talked about how it'll be tied to political, but let's keep it on 17. That's, that's chapter 18, but let's keep it on 17 here. So, you know, he, he talks about the great harlot here and sits on many waters. And I think I touched on this, but the many waters, verse 15 tells us, that's why we use the Bible to translate itself. Verse 15 tells us what the many waters will be. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So this spiritual Babylon is going to have a heavy influence all over the world. This false religion is going to have a heavy influence over the world. So a lot of people read this and they attribute it to saying, well, you know, it'll be the Catholic Church. Um, some say it'll be the Muslim religion, but I think it's going to be bigger than that. And even though the Catholic Church, and I think I talked about this at the end of service uh, a few weeks back, where I said pretty much every country has a Catholic Church there. Whether it's predominantly Muslim or not, they have a Catholic Church there. And then um, I think maybe like only four may not have an actual priest there, but there's a Catholic Church there. So they do have a heavy influence. But we talked about how the Antichrist is going to use this worldwide religion to carry himself to prominence, as well as these leaders that I mentioned later in the chapter, to get to the position. And then once they get to where they are, he's going to dump it. And then we talked about how it ties into the political realm today, how they'll come into churches and they'll speak, and then after the election, they're done. <laughs> so we have to be careful of doing that because God doesn't want that because he doesn't want us to mix those things. He doesn't want us to mix the politics in with the church. Okay, so, great harlot. What do we know about a harlot? A harlot is, another word for harlot is a prostitute, right? Or a whore. That's some translation will have whore in there. So, harlots usually do what? They usually sell themselves, right? Or they give themselves for to provide sexual favors. And it could be a male or a woman. And they bring pleasure to other people. But we have to understand, a harlot... Fornication, when we hear those things, especially when it comes to the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, it's not always talking about the physical aspect of those things. It's also talking about how people, especially Israel, or God's children, will cheat on him. Will go out and worship other idols and things like that. So that's what this great hall is going to do. We talked about how that religion, that world religion, the Antichrist is going to set it up where he's going to basically give people what they want. Right? So if they want money, they'll have money. If they want power, prestige, they're going to have it. That's why those ten kings, they're going to use that to their advantage, as well as the people. So one thing we see with religion as a whole, people use it to gain things like money and to be in charge, to, to get positions. So we have to be careful of those things. All right, so looking at verse 2. He says, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with wine for fornication. So they committed idolatry. These people who get into bed with the swear of religion are going to commit idolatry. Here. So verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast 
which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So a scarlet is actually a representative of the government. Okay, so this religion here is also going to use, going to be a part of the government. So like people say how, you know, we, we argue today separation of church and state. Well, guess what? When this time hits, there's not going to be no separation of church and state until the religion gets done using it. Even though we know this is not the real church, this is an, an, an apostate church. Alright, so verse 4 says, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, so purple is a sense of wealth, as well as uh, the gold and precious stones and pearls. So, again, this religion is going to have money, wealth, and it's going to be attached to the government. Okay, Having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Okay, so what, what's abomination? Let me give you a definition of abomination. Abomination is something that causes hate or disgust. An abomination is something that God loathes or hates because it is offensive to him and his character. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about how, well, I think I just said it, that everything that people want in religion, that's what this end-time religion is going to give them, all right? It's going to give them all the identity of a spiritual aspect and a spiritual experience without the sanctification part in that. So, when we see here about the uh, cups of uh, an abomination, what are some of the abominations that are listed in the Bible? So, idolatry and false gods, occult practices, child sacrifices, which is in Deuteronomy 18, 9-12, turning a deaf ear to God's instruction, Proverbs 28.9, ungodly sexual relationships like homosexuality and adultery, cross-dressing, Deuteronomy 22 and 5. So, when we dissociate, ooh, Tyler Perry. Right? That's not a guy. When we see him dressed like a woman, I'm assuming he's still dressed, I don't know because I don't watch him, but when he got his notoriety, he was dressing like as Medea as a woman. But that's forbidden in the Bible, in Deuteronomy 22 and 5. Dishonest business dealings. Wickedness. Proverbs 15 and 9. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Injustice. He that justifieth the wicked, and he that condemneth the just, even they are both, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. That's Proverbs 17, 15. Offerings from the unrepentant. Proverbs 15 and 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. So, even today, we see a lot of people will try to coerce people, not just people in the church, but even unsaved to give an offering into the church. But it's really an abomination to God because their heart is not right. So, remember I, I talked about a while back when you had, years ago, Leroy Thompson with the money coming unto me now? That drew unbelievers. Into church. Why? Because it was money. Alright? So, Proverbs 6 talks about six things that God hates. Seven being an abomination. What else is an abomination? Love of money. Luke chapter 16, verses 14 through 15 says, Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So money is actually highly esteemed. So it's not, remember what I said, Jesus didn't die for us to become rich. 
So we can't get caught up in money. Yes, God can bless us with material things. God can bless us with a house. God can bless us with a car. God can bless us with money. But we are not to have those things before God. Because if we have those things before God, then we make those things our idols. And also, you know, another thing speaking of idols is, have you ever heard, because I've heard it before, but you ever heard people say, well, you know, you see Jesus as you are. So meaning that, you know, if you're black, you see a black Jesus. If you're white, you see a white Jesus. If you're Japanese, you see a Japanese Jesus. And then people will say, well, that's okay. Well, no, it's not okay because we're creating an image of sure, Jesus. Amen. And right. we're not supposed to do that. Amen. So that, that's not okay for us to do. Alright, so going back to Revelation 17. And on her forehead, verse 5, and on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. So this mystery, Babylon, we're not going to understand, I said this before, we're not going to understand everything in the Bible. So we know in part. So we're not going to always understand everything, but we know enough in the Bible to where there's enough in the Bible for us to have an understanding of what we're to do and how we're to carry ourselves. So mystery, so even in Revelation, we're not going to understand everything. So we can't try to figure out everything and or even try to say, be like John and say, you know, the Lord took me in the spirit. He showed me this, but it doesn't line up with the word. So like I always say, God will never go against his word. Amen. All right. So, what is this mystery of Babylon? All right. So, I talked about it before when I did a series on the church of the midst of Babylon. That when we think of Babylon, we think of Nebuchadnezzar, we think of Daniel, we think of the three, three Hebrew boys, and things like that. But really, that Babylon was not the start of Babylon. All right. So, Babylon, how do we come to Babylon? Because I talked about how Babylon represents basically. Is an abomination to God. It, it, it resembles rebellion. It resembles, it, it, it represents, not resemble, represents the world culture and rebellion against God. Well, how do we come to that conclusion? Let's turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. 
Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. So remember Shinar. Actually, Shinar is where Babylon is. is uh, Babylon is in the land of Shinar. Okay? And we'll come back to that in a, in a little bit. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Verse 7, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel, which is another word for Babylon, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So why would God do this? So, you know, we, we would think that unity is a good thing. And, but I said a while back ago that we got to be careful with unity. Unity doesn't always mean it's from God. So, because people can unify to do bad things. So, people will unify in the sense of doing rebellion. So, we saw during um, when Jesus was arrested. Right before school, people unified to keep him in jail. Right? They decided to, the, even though the religious leaders went, to go, uh, went through there convincing the people, the people still chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. And even Pilate said, I found nothing. Others meant, here, the world pagan leader, <laughs> well, not the world, that, that area, that leader there was trying to release him, but Jesus' own people was trying to keep him locked up to get him crucified and chose to release a criminal over Jesus Christ. Okay, so here God comes down and he basically changed the language because he seen what they were going to do. And he says this. Um, oh, uh, in verse 5, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. In other words, that word propose actually means imagine in the original. So he's saying, you know, the fact that they're all working together that nothing that they imagine would be withheld from them, that they can do anything. So that's not a good thing. No. Yeah, that's not a good thing because you heard me talk about before how, you know, God makes things perfect, makes it right, but man comes and messes it up. Yeah. You know, from our Adam all the way today to us as well. Right? We're not exempt from it. So, um, but why would God be upset in doing it? And, and why would he come down and do this? So, Let's real quick turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. So then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the 
fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So be fruitful and multiply and fill what? The earth. Right? So if we just take two people just in the state of Virginia or just central Virginia and God comes down and tells them be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, but they decide to stay in Virginia. Are they being obedient to what God told them to do? No. Alright. Let's turn to Genesis. So we know that there was a flood. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 9. So this is after the flood. This is uh, we know that Noah and his family were the ones that were saved. Alright, so Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and do what? Yeah. Fill the earth. Alright, alright, so let's go back to 11. So we saw in Genesis 1:28. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. We saw it in Genesis 9. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Look at verse 4 in Genesis 11. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower, whose top is in the heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. So, right now, they're showing a defiance of God's command. They're showing a defiance of God's command because God said, Be fruitful, multiply, but they chose to stay right here. And so that is rebellion against God's command. And you see, what we know also is, well, from again, from extra biblical sources in this, that here they're building a tower. So when we think of this tower, we think of, well, I should say I used to think of, like a tall tower, they're trying to reach the heavens, like an Eiffel Tower, right? That, that's what I used to think it was. But we learned from archaeological findings and history that that's not what... It actually was. Okay, so I'm going to plug this up. Virginia? No, oh. South America. Oh, okay. It might be. 
They might, because they, these were found all over, not just here. I mean, there's something like it, but not that exactly. Alright, so Genesis 10, verse 6. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havila, Sata, Ramna, and Sapakacha. And the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dedan. Alright, so now here, the, the, the scripture is telling us right now who the sons of Ham were and who the sons of Cush were. Now all of a sudden we get to verse 8. So this will probably tell me that Nimrod probably was younger than these people here. The ones mentioned before. Verse 8. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. So we would think mighty hunter of the Lord would be a good thing. But in the original, it means that he was rebellious. He was also a hunter of men. He wanted people to worship him. Every false religion that is out there can, will, trace, will trace back all the way to Nimrod and Babylon. Because he is really the founder of Babylon. And we'll get to that in, in the next verse here in a minute. But witchcraft will go back to Nimrod and Babylon. Alright, so Nimrod, you would think, you, you would have to wonder how somebody can be the great-grandson of Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and become so rebellious. So, to the point, going back to this, they would use this to go up here, all the way to the top, and to begin to worship the stars and the heavens. So now, when we get to what we have today, astrology, <laughs> that's where he got his foundation from back then. When we look at, uh, even in Daniel, with Nebuchadnezzar, and the Chaldeans, and the astrologers, and the soothsayers. History, all the way back here, back then. All right, so, all right, 10, verse 10. In the beginning of this kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of where? Shinar. From that land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ur, Kala, and Rezin between Nineveh and Kala. So, he didn't find Assyria. He went to Assyria, but he built Nineveh. What do we know about Nineveh? Was it rebellious people? They persecuted God's people. Right? And looking through the history books, if anybody's taken an Old Testament class, you can see out of everybody between the Babylonians, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, treated the Jews the worst. I don't know why they did that. Treated the Jews the worst. So, Nineveh, we know what prophet went to Nineveh? Jonah. Jonah. And there was another prophet. Anybody know? I know that a lot of people now don't know what it is. Nahum. Alright, so they, we know Jonah. He, God sent him. Jonah did what? He rebelled. He didn't want to go, right? So he went reluctantly. He went and he preached to cause them to repent. Re repent. And they did. They repented. Jonah didn't want them to repent. Because they were they were enemies, and it's got you know you think about it, it's kind of like how Christians are today. People can do. We associate people. We may not like them, and then we we may want God to do something to them, right? We may get upset when we may want God to do something to us, right? So we're we're not exempt from that because somebody, some somehow along the way has done something wrong to all of us. 
where we're like, God, get them. <laughs> One way or another, we like, God, get them. Take care of them. So we're no different than Jonah. <laughs> but when Nahum went, he didn't rebel. He went, he preached, but when Nahum went, they didn't repent. And he called, he said, God's judgment is coming. But see, all of this is why prophets even today have to be careful because if you look at the majority of the prophets, they all went to Israel. So we have prophets today say, I'm called to go out to the world. No, God shows in the scriptures that he sends his prophets to his people, not the world. Now, if they come into the church, that's another thing. But he sent them to his people. Why? Because their main function should be to call people back to righteousness and holiness. So someone in the world is not going to know to do that. That's right. But us in the church, we should know to do that. Okay? So, they didn't repent under Nahum, and Nahum went 150 years later after Jonah. So, but it's interesting the fact that here was a, a city, a place that was founded by Nimrod. So we know that that was founded by Nimrod. Some translations will actually have Asher, the son of Shem, uh, as the founder of Assyria. Could be because it doesn't say here that he founded Assyria, but that he founded Nimrod. Okay. Now, who else do we know that probably came from this area? That, not probably, but did come from this area. Abraham. Abraham. Uh, the, he called him out of earth, right? So we know that Abram came from a family that was worshiping idols because his dad was a worshiper of other gods, okay? So, again, we see God's mercy because he went somewhere to where there were paganistic rituals and he pulled this man out, Abram, to come to be separated, to start a people who had no child, right? And he says, look, I'm going to make a nation out of you. That's God's mercy. So even with Genesis chapter 11, that was God's mercy because the people were trying to be rebellious towards God. But it was actually his mercy that caused him to come down and say, you know what, I'm not going to wipe them out, but I'm going to confuse their language. Because God could have wiped them out. Yeah. Sorry. Because they were being rebellious and not following his commands. But again, that's why it's important for us to have mercy because we are to follow the character of, of God. And see, one thing I, I saw um, an article, I, I was actually supposed to read it probably about two weeks, two and a half weeks ago, but I, I never got to it. So I read it, and then um, it was a reference to Joe Biden, President Biden's wife speaking at a, a church and it was from a Christian Christian um, website and the article was kind of slanted because if you read the article well I'm not going to say it was slanted but if you read the article there's no mention of Jesus Christ in there in her speech and what she's doing the problem is there was a link in there, well before I get to that so what does the church do Christians? start commenting, oh that's just religion, because she didn't mention Jesus Christ not one time. She's giving honor to the pastor, and it's like, and it was actually an anniversary, an appreciation for the pastor. That, that's, so that's why she told the story of how, I guess, when her son died, um, that she came back to her faith because of that, and she was in that church, because I, I think it was either the pastor's wife or the mother. 
she was sitting in the pew and she was listening to the message. The pastor's wife or mother, like I said, I can't remember which one, came to her, approached her, and said, "I feel led that I should be your prayer partner." And and she and she said, Joe Biden says herself that um, the Lord must have been speaking through her because she was at the point at that time, basically at that point to where she wants to come, but she you know she wants to come back to God. In relationship, but not quite, you know. So, and that's what she did. Started praying with. But I, I, I bring that up because, like I said, the article mentions no mention of Jesus Christ. But when you click on the video, she does mention Jesus Christ. And I had a problem with the article because it's supposed to be a Christian paper, and it knew what it was doing. But everybody jumped on her. Now I'm not gonna say everybody. Some did. Some people did and said, "Well, we can't judge because you weren't there." And the video was embedded where you wouldn't know that you were clicking on the video. So you really had to look for it. Because it didn't say video. It was underneath a word or something like that. But she did mention Jesus Christ. And she did mention about being part of the body of Christ. See, but we don't know. We, we associate her with her husband. We associate her with a political party. And here she does mention Jesus Christ. And she's meant talking about her faith. And then... The church wants to criticize her. Well, not the all church, but some Christians want to criticize her. So, again, we have to show mercy in that. Alright, so, alright, so I talked about how it's, uh, Babylon represents the defiance of God's command. Alright, so, it also, it also represents the exaltation of man. Alright, so going back to verse 4, in chapter 11, verse 4 says this, And they said, Come, let us, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heaven. Let us make a name for ourselves. So it's not, now God created man for what? For him. For him. Right? So even he called, he, he, he called Abram to be separate. Right? Adam was supposed to be obedient and be separate. And supposed to be establishing God's people. Even for us today, he tells us to come out of the world to be separate. To be separate. But, and then we're to be separate and we're to glorify him. But what do they do? They want to glorify themselves. They want to lift up themselves. See, so we have to be careful on that. Even in the church, we got to be careful because sometimes we may want to make a name for ourselves. And we may want, that goes back again to the end time. It, that, you know, the anti-religion, that one world order religion, that people want to make a name for themselves. They want to be popular. we got to be careful of that because that's not of God. This goes back again to Babylon because that even though men have changed over thousands of years, that spirit still lives. That spirit still lives until God destroys it. And we, we see in John, John said not, John, in uh, things first John, he talks about the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. And it's been at work since the foundations. Right? Even in the garden, the spirit of Antichrist was at work. And we have to be able to see that thing so we're not deceived. We can't get caught up in that spirit of pride because pride is not of God. It can't be where we make it about us. Same thing even if a ministry that has the pastor's name on it, that's making it about us instead of God. Amen. So, all right. So, 
Babylon represents the defiance of God's command, the exaltation of man, and then also, like I already mentioned, is that it's the place of where idolatry began to worship, and that's where they, again, they will go up here and they worship the starry host. And now, astronomy is okay, astrology is not okay. Okay, so people were worshiping the stars back then, people were worshiping the stars in Daniel's time, people still worshiping the stars and everything today, and we have a fascination even with space today, because we saw the, the two rich people that made the uh, the rocket to go to space. We just have a fascination with that stuff. Even with money, you know, if we have money, we want to do things like that, and there's other things that could be done with that money. See, we have to look at it. God knew how many people were going to be on this earth at all times. So, Technically, if we were doing things according to God's word, there should be nobody that should be suffering financially or starving and things like that. But it is the weight of sin that is causing those things. And the sin and selfishness of man. Because if you think about it, even if you just take the amount of people, small amount of people that have billions of dollars, trillions of dollars in their bank account, that's spread out. That can help you. We do things, we build toys, we want toys. You know, even sports athletes that get drafted, what do they want to do? Buy a mama a house and then get a whole bunch of cars, right? You have athletes that have 10, 11, sometimes more cars than that that they get. And they can't drive all those cars at one time, right? It's, you know, and we're all probably like that at one time. You know, we're young, we want the new car, or we want the next latest, greatest thing. And we got to be careful of those things. Amen. Amen. All right. So we have to understand all this in Genesis helps with Revelation because the woman who rides the beast represents a false world religion that rises on the back of the Antichrist that seduces the nations and peoples. And even today, that spirit is seducing people. The whole of Babylon represents everything debased, sinful, and that strays away from God, which sounds a lot like our culture today. So we have to be careful of wanting more, 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 bragging. And I still got to do the teaching on the works of the flesh, and I'm going to come up with that because uh, even when I was away, last couple of days, I started reading up on that. So that's, that will be coming soon. Alright, so the world today is corrupt. People today are blinded by the devil. Right? Again, that's that Antichrist spirit. So he's going to do opposite of what Christ would do. So he will cause people to, like I said, want to be rich, want to, want to have more and more and more materialistic things, but Jesus didn't care about those things. Jesus cared about pleasing who? The Father. Right? He walked around in humility. He didn't make a name for himself. He were, he gave glory to who? The Father. That's right. But man, today, we give glory to ourselves. Right? And it's not just the unsaved, but it's the saved as well. We want we give glory to God. That's why I say you gotta be careful when you say, call people anointed. You gotta be careful when you say, Oh, I have the best pastor. You should not be saying those things. That's not of God. That's putting one person ahead of another. And if God anointed all pastors, then how are you going to put one pastor here above another? That shouldn't be. But all this stuff is going ahead of man. So 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 familiar text says this, 
whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So, again, Satan has blinded the minds of the people. And, again, all this is setting up for the end. Satan is not done. And, you know, so, not so, a lot of times, we as men, we think we can outsmart the devil. He's been around a lot longer than us. <laughs> and we, we think, you know, I got this revelation. You know, stop. The devil has all this stuff planned out. And has it planned out. What we need to do is walk in obedience to what God says in his word. If we walk in obedience to what God says in his word, we'll be good. We'll be good. We can't get ahead of God. We don't want to lag behind God. We don't want to be to the left or to the right. See, because this is, like I said before, this is going to be a lonely walk. It's going to be a lonely walk. And you think about Abram when he was called. He was called out of wickedness where they were worshiping idols in his time. But God called him away because he had to call him because he couldn't leave him there. And see, this is why we have to be careful on who we allow ourselves to associate with. Because a lot of times we, you know, we, we think that, oh, I'll be the strong one. But what usually happens is the, the habits of the bad people, corrupt people, seem to rub off on the good people instead of the other way around. So we have to be careful of that. Now, does that mean that God can't call you to be around certain people, being certain things? No, it does not. But, again, that's a calling. That, that is where God will equip you for that. But we have to be careful of that. Because people go, they try to do good, mean to do good, and then next thing you know, they end up falling because they're somewhere and they get influenced and they shouldn't have been there in the first place. That's right. So, it's, and it has nothing to do with, oh, I'm going to witness to that person here at the bar or whatever. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> there are people that, and not, there are people that do do that. And, and legitimately, they feel God gave them a ministry to do it. I, you know, I don't know. One way or the other, but people do do that. Okay? But to each his own. Whatever. God's called them to do that, that's fine. But God will equip them to where they're not going to be influenced. Now, if you're struggling with alcoholism, he's not, you're not going to the bar to do that. You need to be staying away from that. Because <laughs> yeah. you, you're going to fall. So, you know, we have to be careful. And we see even with Israel throughout the years, they gave way to wickedness. They gave way to idolatry. And it's no different than what is going on today in the world. What goes on in the church today in the world. You know, we'll say where, and even when I talked about how there's witchcraft in the church, well, people will say, well, no, what are you talking about? There's no witchcraft in the church. People don't pray. Well, don't you know, the Bible says in Ezekiel 13, if you prophesy falsely, that's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. Now, I am pretty confident that goes on every weekend in churches, mm. many churches. People falsely prophesying, and they're saying God's saying this, God's saying that, but yet they're practicing witchcraft because God says it. Right there in Ezekiel 13. He says it a couple times there that it is divination. So this is why we as Christians, as God's people, have to be careful what God's telling me this. God's telling me to tell you that. No, God's not telling you. That's your own, out of your own heart, you're saying that a lot of times. So it's not that, obviously, we know we believe in the gifts of the Spirit here. We believe in prophecy here. But you got to be careful on that. So, 
I'll just leave it at that. All right. <laughs> All right. So, you know, we have to pray for God's people, especially in this season. And, you know, prayer is a big component of this ministry. You know, we can't get caught up in the world because Jesus didn't get caught up in the world. Jesus got caught up in the people whom the Father gave him. John 17 9 says this, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And guess what? He also prayed for us today as Christian believers today. So we can't get caught up and yes, we're to go out and we're to shine and, and be the light out there in this dark world. Yes, we're to share the love of Jesus. Yes, we're to have mercy on people, but we got to be careful as well and not get caught up in those things. Amen. So I probably will stop right there. Yeah, I'll stop right there. Amen. Amen.